Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Uh, it is good to be with you today. Um, yes, I am sitting. Uh, I am trying something new. Uh, my norm is to be standing because I get excited. I can start to move. Um, but you can thank uh, Shelter in Place for the need for uh, a change of scenery a little bit. Um, I hope that you're enjoying the series that we're in. Uh, I know that I am, not just because I get to preach some of it, um, but because it's very helpful uh, given what we are enduring uh, right now as a country. Um, we are just past the halfway mark, and the intensity and the narrative is growing uh, with conflict between Hammond um, and the Jews. Uh, my prayer is that by the time we wrap up here today, uh, that you would have walked away uh, from your TV or your computer, uh, your tablet perhaps, having been encouraged uh, in the Lord and having been uh, having received uh, the message that God has laid on my heart uh, just for you. Would you pray with me? Father, you have all power in your hands. Today, Lord, I pray, Father, for the life of the believer, and I pray, Father, for the heart of the not yet believer. I pray, God, that you would work all things together for your good, Lord, and we trust you, Father, that it will work and that it will bless each and every life, Lord, who's listening to this message, Lord. Go before us today, Lord, and do what only divinity can do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, meet me in Esther chapter 6. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 14. It reads this way. It says, The night the king could not sleep, uh, so he ordered the book of the Chronicles, the record of his reign, to be brought in and read to him. It was found recorded there that Mordecai had exposed Bithana and Teresh, two of the king's officers who guarded the doorway, who had conspired to assassinate King Xerxes. What honor and recognition has Mordecai received for this, the king asked. Nothing has been done for him, his attendants answered. The king said, who is in the court? Now Hammond had just entered the outer court of the palace to speak to the king about hanging Mordecai on the gallows he had erected for him. His attendants answered, Hammond is standing in the court. Bring him in, the king ordered. When Hammond entered, the king asked him, what should be done for the man the king delights to honor? Now Hammond thought to himself, who is there that the king would rather honor than me? So he answered the king, for the man who delights to honor, the king delights to honor, have them bring a royal robe the king has worn and a horse the king has ridden, one with a royal crest placed on its head. Then let the robe and horse be entrusted to one of the king's most noble princes. Let them robe the man the king delights to honor and lead him on the horse through the city streets, proclaiming before him, this is what is done for the man the king delights to honor. Go at once, the king commanded Hammond, get the robe and the horse and do just as you have suggested for Mordecai the Jew who sits at the king's gate. Do not neglect anything you have recommended. So Hammond got the robe and the horse and he uh, robed Mordecai and led him on horseback through the city streets, proclaiming before him, this is what is done for the man that the king delights to honor. Afterwards, Mordecai returned to the king's gate, but Hammond rushed home with his head covered in grief and told Zeresh, his wife, and all his friends everything that had happened to him. 
His advisors and his wife's arrest said to him, since Mordecai, before whom your downfall has started, is of Jewish origin, you cannot stand against him. You will surely come to ruin. While they were still talking with him, the king's eunuchs arrived and hurried Haman away to the banquet that Esther had prepared. I've entitled our sermon today, Isn't It Ironic, Don't You Think? Uh, if you grew up in the 90s, you know where that came from. Uh, in the irony of this chapter, I want to talk to you about God. I know, surprise. But more specifically, I want to talk to you about the providence, his providence, his nature, and his rewards. Uh, I mentioned his providence, his nature, and his rewards. I mentioned to all, you, all of you about uh, several weeks ago in chapter 2 that when Mordecai had told Esther when he had heard that the two doorkeepers were planning the king's death, uh, that it would come to a heightened discovery in chapter 6. And so here we are. If you're just joining us in the series, we have three main characters besides Esther, but in this particular chapter, King Xerxes, uh, Haman, and Mordecai. This chapter is a story of irony. Uh, it's a story of reversals. It's a story of God's providence. It's the providence that moves us to not only believe that God is writing the story of history of this world, but he's writing, this, he's writing it right before us. And not only is he writing the story of this world, uh, but he's writing your story as well. A good story. We see God's providence all over the Old Testament. We see it when Moses as a baby is, 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 uh, is uh, going down the Nile River or going down the Nile. Uh, we see it when Joseph is in prison. We see it when Jonah is on that boat. God's talking to him. Uh, we, we see it when David is fleeing from Saul. Uh, we see it when uh, Paul and Silas are singing in jail. We see these stories all over the Bible, and sometimes these stories are filled with irony, like we see here in chapter 6. Uh, they're filled with situations that end up being the opposite of what we expected. We see it with Haman, with him plotting to kill the Jews. Who would have known what God was up to and the good that he is up to and the good that he had in store for his people uh, when Haman started on his prideful journey? We see providence of God uh, in this story. And guess what? Yes, we see it in your story, too. You, you may be saying, well, you don't know my story. That's true. Um, but I know that God is writing it. I know the God who is writing it. Uh, and listen, I can't tell you how things will turn out in your life. Uh, I don't know what your destiny is like. I don't know how your story will end. But one thing I know for sure is from the Bible is that God is writing a good story for you. Now, don't get me wrong. It is not without pain. It is not without joy and sorrows. It is not without trouble, as we are learning in this series. Uh, but it is good. God wants nothing for good but good for you and I, but sometimes to get to the place to where it is good, we have to encounter some very hard places. Sometimes there are people in your life that God has to put in place. So there will be what seems like a delay to you, but it's all in his plans. He, he, he's putting things in order. 
King Xerxes, Asarerus, is one of those people in Mordecai's life that God has to put in place. Yeah, he doesn't know it. In fact, it, it, it is ironic that he, he doesn't seem to know much of anything that's going on around him uh, when we read through this text. I mean, here he is. He cannot sleep, and he doesn't know why. Uh, but we will soon find out that it's for a purpose. The king had a sleepless night, which really is a reversal uh, of um, a reversal of what would normally happen for him, a, a typical night for him. The king could have done whatever he wanted, what, whenever he wanted, and however he wanted it, uh, um, but not that night. Not that night. I, I can see him there. I can imagine him there tossing and turning, uh, looking out the window, um, waiting for the sun to come up. Now, there are a whole host of different characters in this story uh, that should be having a sleepless night. Would you agree? I mean, Hammond, for one, is, is livid about Mordecai uh, not bowing to him. And his plan is to go the next morning and ask the king for permission to kill Mordecai. He should have been the one having trouble getting rest. Uh, Esther was just asked by the king one chapter earlier to come to a uh, to come to a banquet or invited him to a banquet the next day so she can sort of tell him where she, who she was and and uh, her plan and her request for him to protect the Jews. Uh, she should have been up walking the floors, wondering what his answer would be. So everyone but the king who knows nothing about Hammond's plot or Esther and Mordecai's nationality of origin, yet the king is the one who cannot sleep. We'll soon find out that God was behind the king's sleepiness. Uh, like Pharaoh, like uh, King Cyrus and many others, Xerxes was used by God for a certain work with the Jews. By the way, if uh, you're waking up in the middle of the night and you haven't been diagnosed with insomnia or sleep apnea, uh, do not dismiss, uh, dismiss that. Uh, he may be trying to get your attention. It, it, it is rare that I get um, myself, that I get out of bed uh, when I wake up in the middle of the night. I can count on, on one hand how many times that has happened and just a few of those times where I actually got up and uh, I read my Bible. One time about 10 years ago, I had been getting paid at a job uh, double for about two months. I know some of you are like, really, that, that sounds good. Uh, I, I called them up and uh, called up HR and I, and I told them. And they said, well, wait until next paycheck and we'll, we'll, see, um, you know, we'll see what happens then. And so I waited to the next paycheck, nothing. I sent numerous emails uh, and then I had to call again. And they said, well, Mr. Johnson, if this is happening, uh, we don't know about it. And in my flesh, I was like, well, if you don't know about it, I don't know about it. <laughs> so, but, so I left it there with them. Uh, but I woke up in the middle of the night, and, and I don't recall how many, if that was the next day or a couple days later, I woke up in the middle of the night and I literally heard Titus. That's all I heard. Um, I don't know if it's just something I was skipping through my Bible. Again, the, some of the details are a little blurry. But I turned to Titus and I came across a piece that said, leaders are not to gain anything in a dishonest way. In other words, what your flesh was thinking, uh, you know, hey, if you don't know about it, I know about it. I tried. I, I tried contacting you, tried telling you guys. Um, in other words, leave, leave that money alone. 
And I did, of course, and uh, I left it alone. And finally, it called me in a panic uh, a week or two later, um, saying, uh, you know, hey, uh, we, we've been overpaying you. And I said, duh, uh, yeah, I know. Um, but so, so pay attention. Don't, don't, when you wake up in the middle of the night, don't reach for your phone. Uh, don't go to that snack cabinet. I think a lot of us have a snack cabinet. If you don't, I'm sure you created one during shelter in place. Uh, but don't go to that snack cabinet. Uh, ask him, um, hey, you're up. Am I up because you want me to be? <laughs> Simple as that. I, I think God speaks, can speak very clearly um, if we just ask him a question like that. So the king says, well, since I cannot sleep, let me think about how great I am. Uh, he asked his attendees to bring him and read to him uh, the record of his reign. And so they go and they choose a book out of his, out of his library um, to read to him. Now, what we're not told in this story, but history tells us, is that King Xerxes has been in this position for 12 years. You know what that means? So there's 12 years worth of records to choose from, and the record, the book that they chose to read to him, happens to be the one that mentions Mordecai's heroic deeds. It is, in essence, the record of the king's life being saved by Mordecai. The king is shocked and asks it, what honor and recognition has Mordecai received for this? And they responded to him, nothing has been done. Now the book of Esther doesn't tell us the Mordecai's thoughts sorted around uh, what he did for the king, but some of you would have been lemon bitter if someone didn't remember something that you have done. You would be rolling your eyes, sucking your teeth, tapping your foot, completely irritated. Yet you never have to worry, you and I never have to worry when people do not remember all that you have done. When that person gets amnesia about the money that you owe, uh, loan them, uh, when you go out of your way to help someone instead of saying thank you, um, they, they critique the way in which you went out of, out of your way for them. When you labored and used your own time and money and energy and people just came to expect it. I remember just a few years ago uh, mentoring a man and um, my heart, he was just on my heart constantly. And so I had asked him if we can meet up. I did not know why, but God kept putting him on my heart. I didn't know if we were supposed to do something in ministry together or what it was. And finally, after a couple times of meeting, he said, hey, I, I, I'm, I'm so glad that you, you um, reached out. He said, um, I've been wanting to ask you um, to mentor me. And I said, absolutely, because I knew that, that was, there was a reason God had him on my heart. Um, and so we started meeting um, once a week and uh, it was walking him through a book and there were some things that he was struggling with. And, and we, um, it was just a great time. Um, it, but there came a time within that first, uh, first year where, um, first or second year, um, which he would not, uh, sh you know, he wouldn't show up and I'd call and he had forgot or uh, he would be one time, you know, a few times I, I waited about 45 minutes for him uh, to get there uh, as he zoomed from home or, or what have you. Um, and, and that was OK. Uh, but then towards the end, I, I really towards the middle, I started sharing with him, listen, you should probably be thinking about somebody who can, you can walk with and you can bring along. And um, and so we talked about that quite a bit. Um, and then one day he just said, you know, he was good with where we were at, um, and that was it. 
And uh, I never heard um, anything after that. I didn't hear a follow-up or anything like that. Never got an update. Um, I, was, I was bothered for a long time, but I had to remember, and what, what I had to remember and what you have to remember is that uh, we do things unto the Lord. So the minute I start doing things to please other people or forget who I do it for is the minute that I stop living for God and the lines get blurred. See, Mordecai doesn't, uh, is not here looking for the kings, thank you, or honor to be bestowed upon him. So the king is told about, told about Mordecai, and he says to him, uh, he says to them, rather, uh, so nothing was done for him? Uh, okay, well, he, you know, so this reading goes on all night, it seems, and it's, at this point, it's presumably um, the next morning that the king is sitting with his cinnamon dulce latte skinny and banana nut bread, and he's planning how he's going to honor King Mordecai and ask his attendants, um, you know, what we should do about this. Um, so he asked his attendants, he said, tell me, who's out there in the courts? Now, remember, Hammond uh, is planning to get there really early that morning, uh, like 5 a.m., bright and early morning. And um, he's planning to get there early and, and ask for the king's permission uh, to, to kill all the Jews, specifically about Mordecai. Uh, he has had it with Mordecai, not bowing to him and in essence, giving him a, a hand motion that looks like he only has one finger. So they tell the king, King Hammond is in the courts. Are you starting to see the irony? Are you starting to see his providence? Uh, two scenarios are going on. Hammond has a plan and the king has a plan. Uh, so King Xerxes says, bring Hammond in. Hammond's thinking, all right, now this is, this is my time. Um, I'm going to get to get rid of Mordecai. Hammond walks into the room. The king says, hey, man, I have a question for you. Uh, and Hammond's so focused on himself that he starts off um, just sort of, you know, listening. Yeah, okay, okay. Well, he said, well, what, what should this, what should me, the king, do uh, for the man that he honors to delight or that he delights to honor? And um, Hammond is so focused on himself that he starts to uh, give him a whole laundry list of things. Uh, as my kids say, he was being extra. Uh, he is singing, um, you know, I want you, uh, I want to talk about me, I want to talk about I. Um, that was for you country music fans, Toby Keith. So Hammond uh, was with his nar narcissistic self, and uh, he says, uh, bring, bring a royal robe, not just any robe, but, but bring one that the king has worn. And then he says, um, and also bring uh, a crown. Top, you know, bring a crown, and the crown uh, wasn't for uh, Mordecai, it was actually for the horse, which is even, even crazier. So he's saying, bring all these different things um, to the, you know, for the person who the king uh, delights to honor. Um, and then he's, he says, put this entrusted fistle on a horse um, and lead him through his, the streets, proclaiming this is what is done for the man the king delights to honor. I mean, Hammond is really just putting it in there. He's thinking about all the things that he wants to do. Hammond's not only wants to be honored, Hammond wanted to be king. And so in, the, in an ironic twist, the king's commands Hammond's to do all that he suggested, wait for it, for Mordecai. Hammond went from walking a George Jefferson strut to sulking like a two-year-old who was just told no for the first time. 
The king then says, do not neglect, neglect anything that you have recommended, Haman. Wow. Uh, thanks for the suggestion, Mordecai. Uh, we see a great reversal of what we expected here. Instead of Haman being honored, he's being humiliated. His individualistic, his accolade money and status hungry way of being was on display. He is being spewed out because God's nature is one that echoes Matthew 20, um, 16, that the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Those who proper, uh, prosper rather through wickedness um, always end up in a fall. Always remember that the way that uh, God, uh, the way that we ought to go before God is with a posture of open hands, not a closed fist. An open hand says, Lord, if you want to spank my hand, spank it. If you want to fill my hand with good things, fill it with good things. If you want to empty my hands, empty my hands. You do what you want to do, Lord. But a close fist says, I'm about my plan. I'm about my life. I'll do, I do not want you to do anything. Just give me position. Give me more money, give me prestige, give me houses, give me cars, give me all these things, give me no problems, and family and friends, family and friends who are all about me. That's not God. Gotta do it with an open fist. The God I know, he, he reverses the world's order. He turns adversity into gain. He did it for Mordecai, uh, and he will do it for you, and he'll do it for me. On the other side of all this, this all came about because Mordecai would not bow. So although I love uh, how Mordecai handles everything, uh, he doesn't get a pass. Mordecai would not bow to Haman, which started all this. And no, it's not his fault, but God puts people of authority in position for reason. Now, we know there's a whole lot more to this in this particular story, why, why Mordecai perhaps didn't bow um, maybe he refused to bow because, um, you know, Haman is an Amalek, which is, a, which is from a nation that is the enemy of the Israelites, right? There's a lot extra going on there. But either way, um, if we bring these principles up to our times, uh, although God used Mordecai's disobedience and not bowing, not bowing is the equivalent of, of you not liking your boss, Right. So she starts talking in meetings and you're rolling your eyes and taking uh, countless sips of water, looking at your watch several times over um, and yawning intentionally. That does not honor God. If you haven't seen it, I have. If you've been around in the, in the workplace, you, you've, you've seen that. As a son or daughter, no matter how old you, you are, uh, you can't talk to your parents, your mother, your father any old way. Even when you're an adult, yes, you're an adult, and yes, respect goes both ways, but you don't talk to your parent any way you want and expect God to bless your life. He tells us to honor our mother and father, so what? Things may go well for you. The same goes for anyone else uh, in our lives. But that's not in my message, that's just a little extra for you. So now to my favorite part of the story. Um, the part where they respond to what is happening in their lives. Um, my question for you today is how are you responding um, to God during the ironic, uh, the unexpected things in your life that are happening? 
the things that look like they're supposed to go one way, but they turn out to be completely different. Life can be ironic sometimes. It, it's like a, a pilot that's uh, with a fear of heights. Um, or in this case, the second in command, the king's highest ranking official, <laughs> walking a doorkeeper around the palace saying, this is what the king does um, for the man that he delights to honor. Look at how they respond to these turn of events. The Bible tells us in verse 12 um, afterwards uh, the king uh, that Mordecai had returned to the gate. So here is Mordecai. He had just finished being paraded around the palace. Everyone knows that the king delights to honor him. Yeah, we don't see him on Instagram or Twitter or posting anything, uh, you know, TikTok videos of him and the king, right? No, 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 he's not, he doesn't have a hidden, a hidden agenda um, with his posts that are really being used to say, look who, look who I was with today, hugging people you barely know to build your reputation. He simply went back to his post. He went back to what he was doing. And I'm sure people were whispering, isn't that your boy Mordecai that was just being honored by the king? He's, he's back at his post right before lunch. <laughs> now he's back at his post uh, at the gates um, and he's just showing a, a humility. And I believe that humility partially is when we respond to our blessings um, with confidence in uh, God and not ourselves. This is why we have Romans 12, which tells us not to, to think more soberly about ourselves. Now contrast that with Hammond. Look at how he responds. Hammond uh, goes back home. He's grieving. I can see him with his head laid in his wife's lap. He's called all his friends over. He tells them everything that's, that's happened. Hammond's pride has caused his distress and uh, he was blinded by his own arrogance. He, and he shares with his wife and his friends all that had happened. And if you read verses 13 and 14, again, it says that he told his wife, all his friends, everything that happened. And then it says his advisors and his wife's arrest said to him, since Mordecai, before whom your downfall has started, is of Jewish origin, you cannot stand against him. You will surely come to ruin. Note what they did not say. They did not say that you might not stand. They tell him that you cannot stand. See, now they've realized that Mordecai had with him the God of the Jews and that Haman would not survive the attack of Mordecai. This is a little ironic, don't you think? I mean, as they become wise, all of a sudden, after Haman's plan has failed. In verse 14, he continues on and they, they come and they uh, swoop him up and they get ready for that, for that banquet. And uh, Esther is, well, you'll have to wait for that for, for, for next week. But for now, um, I just want to give you six things to take home with you today. Well, well, let me get, well, never mind. You're already home. So uh, these are six reminders I want you to walk away with today uh, as you examine your life. And I pray that you'll be encouraged through them.
The first reminder is, family, that the providence of God turns adversity into gain. Your adversity is going to be turned into gain a lot of times because that's how the providence of God works. The next two is the providence of God reverses the order of the world. Remember I talked earlier, the last will be first and the first will be last. Next, the providence of God brings each believer to a realization of themselves. God has a way of showing you, you. And as I've said before, of showing me, me. Next, God will reward or remember and reward your work. You never have to worry about the things that you do being remembered and being rewarded for. You know why? Because you work unto the Lord. If we can get that, we say it a lot, but if we can get that in our spirits, you're going to be blessed by it. Next, God will remember and reward your faithfulness. Boy, I know that God's name's not mentioned in this book, but boy, do you see the faithfulness of Mordecai? You see the faithfulness of Esther? He'll remember. God took someone and honored them and rewarded them who, were, who was faithful and humble in the person of Mordecai. And he showed complete destruction and more, I'm not going to give away the story, from a prideful and self-righteous, and I would add even arrogant person in the name and the person of Haman. Two contrasts, two very different. Let's be on the side of Mordecai, Mordecai, be faithful and humble in all that we do. I'm trusting that you'll be encouraged today as you uh, walk away from your your viewing, whatever you're viewing uh, this message through. And I just trust that God is going to bless your life in the weeks and the months to come if we can apply uh, some of these principles. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for what you have done, what you're going to do, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for this series that we're in. Uh, we thank you that uh, there's so much here that we can learn, so much that we can apply to our lives. I pray, Father, again, that we would have ears to hear what you're saying to us, God. Bless us, make us a blessing. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. Have a great weekend.